There we go. Get cozied up here, Rod. Okay. I've got the I've got the pretty well centered today. There we go. And just so our audio listeners know, you'll hear us make references to what people can see. We do a live YouTube uh, video when we're doing this, so when you hear us talking about what people can see or Rod scooting closer to Bruce or whatever. Um, you're missing out on that, but you don't have to. You can actually find it somewhere on YouTube. Yeah, just yeah, Inglorious Pastors in somewhere. Inglorious Pastors or Bruce W. Martin. There's nothing about Roger in there, so don't type in Roger. You're not going to find anything. Do but you think we're Do you think we're better when people see us? Do you think that Do you think that it's more fun? Yes, I that think it's more, more fun because when we laugh, they laugh. Because and we laugh a lot, and then they can see us laughing. And when you see someone laughing, it just brightens your day. And you know, people may think the people who listen to the audio they might think that we literally have a Roger laugh track. No, he's actually laughing. But I know you look live and say Roger has really a problem with laughing. Right, you have a chuckle it's, issue. It's, it's a chuckle issue. It's a chuckle issue. <laughs> it's a chuckle. See, there you go. He just chuckled what? again. No, I had to get it out. I felt I needed. It was building up. I was holding it back because we were talking about it. Big news, Roger. Big news. Okay. Oh, how big How big is this news? Well, uh, for the second time in 16 years, Tennessee beat Florida. <laughs> and I say, and I, I realized that was a week or so ago, but I was in the wilderness climbing mountains, and so I missed the game. And they won, and they won handily. And that was that's just huge, because that's their nemesis year after year after year. Right. So I'm very excited about it. <laughs> What what's next for Tennessee? I mean, they're in the top ten. They ranked in the top ten. They're eight in the country, right? Uh, I think they play after LSU. It's Alabama and then Georgia. (laughs) So that should be a fun little run there. It basically means this is the one year I wish we were playing Auburn. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Auburn fans. Oh, good times. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so uh, that's yeah. That was the first thing. It's so funny. The, the first thing I checked when I got out of the woods after seven seven days. Oh, I thought about you. I'm coming down the mountain. Actually, I was up on top of Whitney because you can get signal up there. I'm like Tennessee football. Did you check Vols or Broncos first? Oh, Vols. Okay, that's Broncos, what I was. I think I would have guessed that in an 18 game season. The Broncos, <laughs> even if they lose that weekend, there's someone that you know. They found right. out, I found out they won. Right. Ten. <laughs> No, 11 11 9. No, 11 10. 11 10. 11 10. Super game. I know that was a fun one to watch. Yeah, people are saying that that's one we're going to be watching for years and years to come. Just the defensive struggle. (laughs) How we love it. It was, I, I think. I think more than one person I saw said that game was unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, it was blacked out. Not because there was nothing. It was just blacked out. It no was one just, wanted to see I'm it. sorry, we can't inflict this anymore. So from this, we're going to show now an Andy Griffith rerun. Yeah. And then we come back against Las Vegas, who's 0-3, and give them their first win. Although Russell Wilson played well. Two, played touchdowns, better. T- two touchdowns, 100 Basically, a 125 quarterback right. rating, which is very good. <clears throat> so I think we're going to turn it around. I think the defense is still solid. I think we need to get a running back that can run with the ball. He runs great without it. <laughs> it's just with the ball, it becomes a problem. Well, is he the now? They had a running back injury. Did we, we lost one running back to injury? You didn't lose the fumbler. No, he's, <laughs> no. The, the fumbler's still with us. Oh no! But I have an idea. They're going to have to go outside. The non-fumbler was in. They might have to a do tragic. a mid-season trade or something to right. get a to get a running back. Maybe a Leonard Fournette. 
Yeah, but he's with Tampa, right? Is he with Tampa? I thought he was with the Patriots. No, no, no. I think he's with Tampa. I get them confused no, now since Tom Brady's not with the Patriots. And I'm going to tell you this. Well, Leonard Fournette is with Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> That's where the confusion is. That- but in their game Monday night, yeah. I think Leonard Fournette had net minus rushing yards. They had six rushes in that game, and I think they're, they had three total yards rushing. So we're not looking for that pickup. I'm just saying Leonard may not be. May not be the <laughs> guy. Okay, I got it. Unless it's one of those, he just needs a change of scenery. <laughs> well, and that you know sometimes that's the case. I mean, but with well, but yeah, when you're on the team with Tom Brady, <laughs> the line is probably more concerned about protecting Tom than creating opportunities for Leonard. I don't know. Yeah. I, I never, I've never thought about that until right this minute. I mean, if you've got the greatest quarterback of all time behind you. They're probably thinking more about protection <laughs> than Leonard getting some yards. Right. It's. It, I think the thing is. I mean, you might actually play defensively. Well, here's the thing. Sense. Yeah. Let's. If we were going to lose one of the two for the season, Leonard or Tom. Yeah. Lenny's, well, sorry, Leonard's gone. <laughs> well, let's yeah. just go send him onto the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Because that's we're not going to make that. And it's what's remarkable, even in that game. So. Which they lost, but scored a decent number of points there. Right, def- but Tom is throwing into almost the entire game. There ain't no running game. Nope. So it's always impressive what a quarterback can do when there's there literally zero running game. That was that was John Elway in all the years we had Sammy Winder <laughs> as our running back. And then that we would run it for three quarters, and then Dan Reeves would decide, well, I guess we can't win running the ball. <laughs> Why did John Elway have more fourth-quarter comebacks than anyone in the history of the world? Because Dan Reeves wanted to run the ball for three quarters with Sammy Winder. And I'm then, fourth quarter, he would let Elway cook. Well, yeah. So it turns out. and I'm like, what? Couldn't we have done that for the first three quarters, too? That's just me, though. Just. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you know this, but the I don't. Patriots were down to their number three quarterback on Sunday. <laughs> who is a high school player out of Kentucky, (laughs) and he threw his first NFL touchdown. Right. Last name, Zappy. Zappy. I'm just like, Bill Belichick just has a way. I was just trying to think, you know, of the draft room, and Bill Belichick's like, okay, I got our next pick. And they're like, oh, they're all bated breath. And like, Zappy Yappy. Bailey Zappy. Bailey Zappy out of Western Kentucky. You can't make this stuff up. And they're like, Bill Hey, can someone get some coffee? For, I think Bill's tired. It's, we're deep in the draft here. But here's the thing. Bill can always go to, remember what I did in the sixth round Tom in Brady. Tw- yep. 2000. So I mean, he can pull up. that card the rest <laughs> right. of his life. Let's face it. No, they, they needed to... Ha- it was a good pickup. I think he had led the nation in Are passing yards passing last yards? year. So, uh, in college. So he. It's always a question how you adapt. Followed closely by Hendon Hooker. <laughs> but then you have your first NFL game. And by the way, another record. I just saw this. So the record Bailey Zappi set or a milestone is the only quarterback to play their first NFL game at Lambeau Field and throw a touchdown. I Yeah, I did see that. That's the reason I read that article. It okay. was it was like uh, Zappi gets a first or something. Okay. I'm like, what's a Zappi? <laughs> I didn't even know who a Zappi was. He's- and I didn't know it was a first and at Lambeau Field and all that. So no, he 
he acquitted himself well. He was he did the moment didn't look too big, which is encouraging because Mac Jones is probably out a few more weeks. weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's and the other thing good for both of our teams is the AFC is just beating each other up. So I think you have three teams that are four, three or four teams that are three and one. Everyone else is two and two, one and two. So we're right in the thick of it. And I think even the, the Patriots. The good news for the Patriots is I think the three teams that have beaten them are all three and one. Oh, three and one teams. <laughs> yeah. And they've played three games on the road, three of their four games on the road. So yeah, they need to beat Detroit this week. Yeah, that would be important. <laughs> if you can't beat Detroit, it'd be a long year. I'm. I saw one. I saw this other stat. Um, I don't know. We, what's the term we use? We can't use. I don't know if we can use post-pandemic because I know there's still some level of okay, COVID's still a thing, and people are still losing their lives. But it's not what it once was. So you look at the aftermath, and I think we're always going to be talking about the world pre-COVID versus the world post or on the back edge of COVID, but I saw a fascinating thing that suggests um, people now engaging in much riskier behaviors. So that was fascinating. Interesting. Um, Speeding is way up. Deaths from automobile accidents and speeding are up substantially. (laughs) Substance abuse up um, and the take of this one piece that I was reading is, you know, was people just taking more chances, more let it fly I, I was just thinking the dynamic of that and if, if, one, if any part of that is well, the, the reality <laughs> is we're all going to die you know. Well, thanks, Bruce. <laughs> well, I, and you know, maybe, and maybe there's a reminder for all of you today. Maybe COVID brought that to the fore for some people. I think we've lived with an understanding of that. Scriptures, you know, every man it, uh, it is appointed unto every man right. wants to die, and after this judgment. So, in some ways, people when people look at my life, some people look at me like I take a lot of risks or I do some risky sorts of things, and I probably don't have. I probably don't have the the same fear of death that some do. I'll, and I'm not I don't know whether that's healthy or unhealthy, but I do live in a world of number 1, we are all going to die. Uh number 2, as, as CS Lewis said, most of us poorly. <laughs> you know, which which is which is sobering, but I am very much looking forward to next. I don't I live in a world of next is going to be so cool. In other words, if the if the old order with all of its brokenness, but with all of its beauty, you know. What last week I'm out in the beauty of a broken world, which is mm-hmm. extraordinary. Then I very much am looking forward to this new yeah. order that Jesus talks about, yeah. where where He'll be our God and we'll be His people, and there'll be no more death or dying or sickness or tears or all, because the old order of things has passed away. So when I think of death, for for me, it's not. Oh no! What a terrible thing! I don't. I. I don't want to die poorly. Going to point two. <laughs> you know when I. But what's like dying a, poorly? What, yeah, what do you a mean long, by that? Long, excruciatingly painful. Right. Years and years and years of loss of quality of life, kind of death. You know, a fall off a cliff, die in seconds. Good. Uh, <laughs> jump out of an airplane, hit the ground. Good. Yeah, that die in your sleep. I bet there's there's probably a survey been done on if you had to die. Most people would say they wouldn't want to die in their sleep. Yeah. 
You know, so, so you don't even know that it's right happening. In other words, you're not fearing it, you're not anticipating it. Just yep, happens. But I didn't come here to talk about death today, Raj. <laughs> well, I was very much. <laughs> there is one other fascinating little death thing I saw in the news. <laughs> okay, tell us about death. Because, oh gosh, my mind is. Yeah. Well, first of all, I resonate you were, with you. Were, with, you were tracking with the. I've got a couple doing of more <laughs> risky things. Yes. Sometimes I have to. I'm like you in the same way that I. Laughably, this is funny. Is like, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm afraid of dying in an airplane. And I realize. Isn't that interesting? Because <laughs> it, it would be prolonged. It's like there's a certain point, you know, this is not going well. We're going down. And right. we're. It's like. It's. Yep. It's. It's. I realize it's a funny thing where I have to laugh at myself. Yeah, I'm not afraid of dying. That's going to happen. But how you die could kind of be... If it's, like, really prolonged, you know, uh, that just seems like, okay, well, unfun. And I thought... It's funny you say that because I was... the la- I fly so much now, which I didn't before, but I fly so much now. And I've thought about that, you know, because every now and then they're playing a little thing and you're like, oh, oh yeah, it goes down. And I'm like, I think I would just sit here and just kind of... I just don't know that it would even bother me. Like, early on when I was flying, I was like, oh, well, I would have an absolute panic attack. And right. When, when are we going to hit the ground? When are we going to hit the ground? When are we going to hit the ground? I'm like, well, eventually we're going to hit the ground. So. Right. I don't, yeah. It's but it's not, right. It's not that I even say and I would be frantic. Maybe it's just I've gotten used to it. Yeah. It's just, maybe not wanting a ton of time to think about no, it. No. I know. I know. Well, I know. <laughs> yeah. I totally get So that. it's just funny. Um, but the last piece on death, and then I'll let you talk about something life-giving. Um, is <laughs> no, I, I read this that this is funny there's a town in, there's a place in Iceland where you're not allowed to die you're not allowed to die in that town it's it's against the law I'd read <laughs> not sure how you enforce that <laughs> well so the backstory and whatever I'm getting wrong with the story or whatever the backstory is they discovered in this very frigid climate where this that bodies in cemeteries wouldn't decompose. Oh yeah, they'll just be frozen forever. And this but I think it came into play someone dies with a disease or there's some kind of a thing that that can be a contaminant. Um and if it ever thawed, you got the disease back. So when someone is nearing death, they have to leave town. They have to there's Whatever, if your death is imminent, you cannot stay in town. You can't remain. Yeah, I'm just like again the enforcement of that, the death penalty. Um, What are we? (laughs) You you died in town. Well, now you're really going to die because we're. Yeah, that's I had no. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought about a body not decomposing and the problems that could create. Right. You know, because they have bodies on Everest that they've left on Everest. Yep. That are still on Everest, which is such a that whole that's a whole fascinating thing because um, you could get them down, you know, mm-hmm. I, but they don't. There's actually turns that are named after people at different turns, like the guy with the green boots. There's a turn on Everest with okay, but the body's never going to decompose. Right, it's too cold. It's just it's it's on ice for the rest of history. Fascinating. Okay. So here's what I was thinking this morning. I've been in John chapter 4, and I've just been stuck there and just staying there and reading more of it and reading. 
about it and then studying words that are in that thing. And I talked to you a little bit this Monday night, I think, when we got together for dinner. Thanks for dinner. That was great. Um, Happy to help. Roger and I living next door has become a real boon for Marlene and I. <laughs> as in, we get free dinner a lot. They have a restaurant next door, as it turns out. It turns out. I mean, it's great. You know, and Roger. I love cooking. And. And Roger, have have you ever said, hey, do you guys want to come over for dinner? Have you ever heard the words no? (laughs) Can't recall that there's been a. Don't think we can do it tonight, Roger. We we may have already had something cooked inside, and I'm like, we're going to put that in the freezer. Roger offered food. Let's just go over there and get that. I have loved it, love it next door. Though. That's been that has been fun. I have loved it too. Yeah, it's been, been. I've been surprised how um, uh, easy that's been. I mean, granted, moving into an 850 square foot house has been different. As in, you're literally everything's within 20 feet of you. It's just like <laughs> it's just different. I remember having to go across a house and through a living room and the kitchen and to to get to a thing. Right. Well, not anymore. Oh. Everything is within one room of you. The problem is you're going to put on weight. You're not walking nearly as much. <laughs> oh, well, that, I don't think that's going to be a problem with as much hiking as I do. But the houses have this center. It's not a hallway, but it is. But it's, it's a hub. It's a hub. That's what I'm saying. It's a center <laughs> hub, and there's four rooms off that hub. Off the hub. So you, it, there's just... It's you really, go to the hub, and you've got three options, yep. <laughs> or go back where you came from. It's super, <laughs> it's super easy. Um, the other thing I thought about, we need to create a fence between... So I can go out the back door and get to your house. Because it seems weird having to come through the front door. <laughs> and then come around. Come around. Come then through your I'm back. sure we can work that out. So we need to put a white picket fence there. Take out the chain link. And right. just have a fence so we can go in and out. And um, We've also now installed a dinner bell on our back deck. Which is wonderful. Roger so we can just ring that. Ding, 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 ding. And now there's this almost this Pavlovian thing. Marlena and Bruce just start walking. They hear the bell. It's like the walking dead, except it's the walking hungry. <laughs> hungry. So we do that and we... The walking fed. We The walking fed. That's good. <laughs> That's when we go back home. But back to John okay. chapter 4. John 4. John 4. So, and this is... I'm curious to get your take on this on on air first time without any... Without any, when I tell you beforehand, what is that word I'm looking for? I don't know if people believe that we go unscripted. That we unscripted. literally we do. We have no idea what we're don't talk about. come in with the, but we, we don't. And you can't imagine how have. much angst that can create for me, having no idea what Bruce is going to bring up. And this is what you're about ready to do now. I'm Bruce gonna is going right to drop something on. He's going to ask me some extraordinarily controversial question. So. Okay. John chapter 4, <coughs> Jesus is talking to the, I'm ready. the Samaritan woman, and there's so much richness in that story. But oh, I love, yes, stuck, John 4 is just is yeah, And just staying with that is, she asked this question at one point, and she goes, now, our teachers say that we should be worshipping on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, I think, or Gilboa, one of the two. I, I think it's Gerizim. Gerizim. Yeah. And <coughs> your teachers say that we should be worshipping Jerusalem. Yeah, again, why she's even posing the question, don't know totally, but Jesus goes, well, a time's coming that you're neither going to worship on that mountain or in Jerusalem. In fact, a time's coming that God's... And now is. And now is. And now is. Where the people who worship God will worship him in spirit and truth. Worship the Father will worship in his... He didn't say God there. He said Father will worship in spirit and truth. And because this is what the Father desires, worshipers are worshiping in spirit and truth. So spirit, of course, means pneuma... And I've had a lot of... I'm trying to even... He says, God is spirit, so you have to worship in spirit. In other words, there's something metaphysical about that 
statement, God is spirit, we should worship him in spirit. But it's, it's the thing of truth that I'm also spending a lot of time on. The actual Greek word that's used there, literally, in multiple settings where that word's used, it means the best American sort of translation is unconcealed. So when we think of truth, spirit and truth, we often think of factual or accurate. This is true because it's factual or accurate. And yet he'll say you'll worship in unconcealedness. You're going to be worship in truth. Now, and of course it fits what Jesus talked about. A lot of the worship in their day was for people to see. It was this external thing. They had all sorts of external rules, external worship things. The ceremonial washing of hands, which Jesus didn't do, which was this external thing, a part of their worship, external thing. But Jesus, in my when I when I read that, it made me think more about worshiping God internally from the heart, but also from sincerity with integrity, not just for people to see, not a bunch of externals. It's it's spirit and truth. But that is not what I talked about. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this idea that when you read people like Richard Rohr or Brian McLaren or people in that world, they'll talk a tremendous amount about dualism and and losing dualistic thinking or eliminating dualistic thinking. The idea being that there's everything is right or wrong. Everything, everything at some point is right or wrong. And I realize how often I fall in that camp of just dualist thinking. Something must be right or wrong. And even the question that she posed is a dualistic sort of question. Is it right or wrong to worship here or is it right or wrong to worship there? I'm just curious what you think about the concept of dualism and the, the concept of some Christian leaders who would say we need to eliminate that from our thinking. Dualistic thinking is not helpful. Well, I think, yeah, it's terms get used in all different ways by different people. Yep. So that can be a challenge if I'm kind of taking the term dualism. What I can talk about is even something I think we touched on, we were talking with Marie, our last podcast, um, where where I would sympathize or hear what you're talking about yep. that would resonate with that is, I think we're often drawn to truth is just reduced to one pole or the other. That there's... And that Now you're going where I'm going yeah. in terms of how we got where we are as a culture. Right. <laughs> so there's two, it's all this... Mm-hmm. Or this, it's all this that. This is accurate. This is inaccurate. This is factual. This is lie. But what's interesting to me then is is so much of the tension comes between two things that are both true, two things that are both unconcealed. They they're revealed, and we the tension we want to avoid. We want to stay out of. I think I made said this last time that almost everything now it seems to me I see time and time and time and time again where we're there's two true values and we're finding our way in those values there's two truths or realities yep. and that go together and we're wrestling with God to figure out how they go together how they work together. So the idea that where some might go if dualism that you can't say anything's wrong or that there's nothing that is true. I think it's more specific to say you can have two things that are true. How do they work together? 
So, I mean, you could have yes. the, you could have the obvious kind of examples are: was Jesus God? Was Jesus man? Yes. Okay. Both are fully truth, and part of us wants to say, well, it can't be both. Oh yeah, that's the same thing with sovereignty or free will. Exactly. We're like, well, it can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. It's got to be one or the other. Whereas for years, I've lived in this world of, I think it's both. In other words, if God is beyond us, God is infinite, and I believe that he is, and we're finite, well, by definition, there are certain things we are not going to understand. Right. In other words, we're not going to be able to reconcile it. So we live in the tension of both and. Right. And and I think. And and that's maybe what we're missing in culture right now. It's either or, it can't be both and. Where I see in culture, and I don't know how to compare to other cultures, but it's just really pervasive right now, is... And I've seen that, in my mind, experience growing in the church, in it, or some pockets of the church, yep. growing more to um, almost as exclusivism, that you have to go to one pole or the other, that, it, that there, isn't, there isn't any... Where we're resisting what is a pretty consistent idea of disputable matters, gray areas, which are the tension between two legitimate values, two legitimate... And it's interesting, someone who strikes me as a sort of black and white person, the Apostle Paul, was the one that brought up the reality of disputable matters. Right. And it's interesting, he he uses as an example some that, that were from their day... But the very fact that he says now about disputable matters, he's giving us a larger construct for. I just think that there's <laughs> there's probably far more of those than we imagine, somewhere between the two poles of right, right and wrong. Because even when you look at what Paul argues later on in those, it's, I think it's Romans twelve through fourteen. What he argues in there is for some it's wrong and others it's right. Now think about that for just a minute. Right. This would be wrong for this person, but it'd be right. <laughs> For that person, having to do with conscience, interestingly enough, and having to do at some level with how someone seeking to be led by the Spirit uh-huh. feels they ought to go, yeah, and this caution about when you have any person that's navigating a place between um, two truths that are both in place. <clears throat> um, that you need to be careful that at some point they're going to have to answer to God. They're going to they're drawing a a conclusion. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing that's always been with disputable matters is well, which are disputable? <laughs> you know, in other words, where where we say, and I think this is that same tension we have to go to God with. Of Roger, uh, when I yes. Every time I hear an announcer say, well, without question, I think, whoa, 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 you just said without question, but I have so many questions about that, right. and you just said without question. Right. I don't know. It's just a, it's just a saying now. <laughs> it assumes that there could be no debate about this thing, and that you're in disputable matters. Some people would go, well, that's not even disputable. It's just obvious. The problem is, once you say it's not disputable, well, you can't even have a, you can't have a dialogue about it because it's not, it's not right. disputable. So it's that thing of, yeah, how far, you know... How far do you keep the door open to, okay, let's just say everything's disputable so that we can have a talk about it, so that we can have a dialogue about it. Right. Uh, when, I was, when I was doing research on that talk on the, um, the origin of man, I loved what that, maybe I said it last week, two weeks ago, 
But Dr. John Walton says we need to let's approach this talk that I'm about to give with intellectual humility yeah. and open mindedness. And I'm like, gosh, we need we so need that culturally right now. And again, it doesn't mean that I in listening to him that I agreed with everything he said because I didn't. But I'm like, but I had, but I gained a new perspective. Right. My my sense of reality was broadened. That this oh that's a that's a legitimate space that I didn't think. Christians were in. Now I'm still not in that <coughs> space, but I'm like I see that I understand. But the and that here's, space. so what's so important is even in areas that we feel are not disputable, there's a danger in my mind, right, of shutting down any conversation. For because even this is where let's say I'm having a conversation and they don't think Jesus is God. Okay. Yep. Um, Nice guy, exemplary life, uh, love a lot about him, but don't see the God thing. Um, well, where I can still listen to the person, where I can hear them out, where I'm not, where, well, why do you think that? What's the, um, and then that can open up, maybe I can share a thought they hadn't thought about. Um, maybe they can share something with me that, you know, I never thought about that tension, and it, helps me think more clearly well I'm going to go to the scripture here and see and I'm going to study and I'm going to read I'm going to learn I think the fear is I think I think it's I love this maybe what you were saying at one level is don't let the fear of figuring out what's disputable or not stop us from having conversations I think the idea that conversations are risky. That conversations about things that we feel like are not disputable. But but what if what if we're actually sending the message that we trust that God's big enough to have, to have dialogue? Do we trust that the Spirit of God is is guiding and protecting right. His church along the way? Are we living more out of a fear that we've got to control things that God's that God actually is supposed to control. So it's not even having to even figure out what are the things I won't ever have a dialogue on or what are the things that I know are disputable or not. Well, let's have conversations. Let's listen to people. Let's hear what they have to say. Let's even learn where I might learn in talking with someone. I put a point out there and they raise a question I hadn't thought about where I might say, well, okay, I still believe this, but actually that reason isn't a great reason. Yeah. And I... Yeah, great point. So now I'm not using that anymore because actually I, re I see that that's actually a flaw. Idea may be true, but... It's a flawed It's a flawed foundational sh support. support. Whatever. Support for that. So, so I, as I've been thinking through that, I realize there's a place... In my, in my mind, this is where I am. I mean, this, this is a disputable matter. Right. But in my mind, there's a place for dualistic thinking on certain things in the sense that I do believe in good and evil. You know, right. I do believe in God and Satan. It's interesting how, how often Jesus would even talk about mm -hmm. the devil. So, I'm you know because some people right. think this is all just, and I'm like, no, I think there's there's good and evil. I think there's this light and dark. I just don't think everything is one or the other. And so that's that that's that space. I think we have to have a lot, give people a lot of room to grow, learn, develop, and I have to give myself room to grow, learn, and develop within that. Because I don't want to fall into dualistic thinking all the time. Because I realize, I think coming out of our independent Baptist culture, 
we there was a strong, <sighs> strong dualistic. Things are either right or wrong, and we had to go into uh, like nth degree detail on what exactly was wrong. I remember even not just that rock music was wrong. That was one thing, but then we had a guy that came in and said a certain beat was wrong. Bump, bump, bump. Never forget that. Syncopation, yes. Bump, bump, bump. It was a certain syncopation. Right. This one, and I'm like, how many songs do you eliminate at that point? How many, how many even sacred songs do you eliminate that have that don't? don't, But if you have, if dualistic thinking taken to its fullest extent is there is a right and wrong to absolutely everything and you want to dig further and further and further down and man it's just such a rabbit hole right so right it's the, and there we're even living the tension of one pole is nothing's right or wrong yeah everything's right or wrong yeah so you're comically in the tension between I'm those in between those which poles. is yeah, we still, and this is where I think God gives us the grace, and we can trust the Spirit. There are things that are right. There are things that are wrong. There are things that are of God. There are things that are of the enemy. But how often has the church, down through history, gotten things? Uh, the, Jesus says to Peter, um, "Get behind me, Satan!" Right. Just after he said, "God revealed this to you." In other words, right. he actually thought something he was saying was spiritual, right, good, um, and it wasn't. And you know what, God, <laughs> he was deceived, innocently. I mean, he he had he had had an idea. Right. I realized that part of the beauty of unconcealed is it's been put into the light. We have an idea. Deception is concealing. Lies and falsehood, they're a part yeah. is concealing. It's concealing, right? Truth is unconcealing. It's, it's revealing. revealing what's actually. It's bringing things into the light. And again, that that was an, such an interesting the, the parallel between light and darkness. Anyway, and it's just making me think through how often I need, how often I, I I sometimes stumble into dualistic thinking about everything right or wrong. In other words, even framing sometimes my worldview from a position of right or wrong, and, and I'm like, I'm more and more moving toward what if my worldview was not biblical? What if my worldview was not Dualistic. What if my worldview was Jesus, you know, and this way of Christ and and love and I was even even working with a client in the last week and I thought about something that they said in session and I thought it made me a lot of times stirs my own thinking and they were talking about loving people because they should versus loving people because of because of an expectation of reciprocity. And as I thought through that, I'm, I was like, well, I'm not sure either of those are where we want to be. In other words, I don't want to love people just because I should. It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to love people just for reciprocity. If I love you, you'll, you'll mm-hmm. love me. Jesus talked about pagan relationships work that right. way. And I realized where God's moving me more is, and it was good for me to see this, I'm just loving people. <laughs> I'm not loving them because I should. You see what I'm saying? I'm not loving right. them because I should. I'm not loving them because I'm needing something from them, demanding reciprocity, especially I'm just I'm finding I'm loving people. Even people that are very different than me or potentially annoying to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where that that's where the way of Christ supersedes any I don't know, <laughs> dualism. In other words, there's no one you can't love. Yeah. In other words, if if Jesus says he wants you to love your enemies, there's no one you can't 
love because you know there's friends there's enemies and maybe there's people in between but the way of love says i'm going to love all of them anyway that's just it's been uh, uh, again i get like richard Rohr's weekly newsletter at the end you know and mm-hmm. he and mclaren talk about this dualism all the time i'm like what in the world is this and i realized as i'm looking at john chapter four there's a dualist dualism question asked there right or wrong and jesus finds a space where neither are quite accurate right doesn't matter this time is coming it's not going to be on that mountain or in jerusalem it's not has nothing to do it's with less place. about right it's about heart yeah it's about what's going on in your heart and and the trueness the sincerity of your own heart well the thing that that i think that gets attached to this what i'll call obsession with right and wrong that it is is this idea that kind of leans to that we think about truth as simply facts if we think about god's concern is that we're getting things right um almost like a teacher getting answers right you having the and and missing the reality of ultimately right or wrong has this very deep core in health it has this very deep core in in spiritual in other words the reason we're called to trust Jesus as the son of God it is not related to an answer on a test or this is the God who made us the reason we're called to, to follow him it's when I think about sin if we simply think about sin as God said a thing and it's getting something right or it's getting something wrong with this fundamental idea that God is looking to protect us he's looking to save us he's looking to um, get shalom provide shalom so less upset even if I think about the heartbreak about getting something wrong is not that the person you're getting the facts wrong you're getting the is that if you're if you are wrong about a thing, it's not good for you. Yeah, it's for so it's even if I talk about calling someone to trust Jesus, it's not my religion being better than your religion. Um, right. But the way I see the you know my belief about God being superior to your idea that there isn't a God, or it's coming out of a compassion. It's coming out of a I'm not. I have no need to prove to you that I'm right. But if this is true about God, if there is a God who made us, if the core truth about the world is that we're runaways and that repenting and coming back home is the way to life and joy and peace and contentment, I want to share that. I want to get that to people not to... Not because it's right. Right. But because it's awesome it's for them. It's life. Yeah. yeah. It's like... It, it, yeah, it's like... This is a terrible example, but you've got the lottery. You got the lottery ticket for them, or they have the lottery ticket, right. and they don't even know it. And right. You're like, no, no, no. Look at the numbers. Yeah. You got, you've got it. It's, right. it's not because it's just right. It's the right number. It's no. That that's going to change your life in a in a potentially we're, positive way. Because I think it changes the whole tone of even if we're trying to figure out right and wrong. Where we're getting at is we're we're trying to get at the heart of God about a matter. So, but what's what's what God is saying is good for the world. So again, we're, 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 it's not pitting two people, my view versus your view, more, why don't we get together and try and figure out 
how God is trying to help us, how, what he's trying to say, what could we be mishearing, what could be misreading that we can figure out together. But the whole heartbeat of it is, the whole point of, around right and wrong, Jesus saying I'm the truth, everyone who's on the side of truth listens to me, it's because he made us. He knows the way things work. So right and wrong is not an exercise in which of us is on the right team, which it's it's more about are we getting closer to the world the way God wanted it? My words are failing me a little bit, but yeah. But I I, I think if, if I look at it in relation even to cooking, you know, some would say there's a right way to cook a thing. They'll say a, a chicken, mm. well, chicken casserole. There's a there's a million of them. Mm-hmm. But the more I learn about cooking, is you've got good, but then you can take good and you can make it better. It's not it's not a right or wrong. Right. You can then make it even even better. You know, by adding some things, and then there are certain things you can add it. No, make it a little worse. It's not. I mean, it doesn't make it. That actually didn't make it better. You know, when when we added added this thing. So I'm trying to think of the world more in my journey right now. In in is something not only good, but is there something that's better that I can that I can move toward? This is good. Nothing wrong with this. Right. But this is it better? Then the question of is it wise? Because that's a tough one for me. I don't always act in the way of wisdom at all. <laughs> How often do you ask that question? Is it why? You'd be surprised as, as I've gotten into my late 50s. Okay, late right. 50s. Neither of us were asking that very much. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> in, in our teens and early 20s. And some of that's in relation to, in even in relation to other people. Yeah, I could do this, and there's nothing wrong with doing this. But is it wise? And And so that's... This is just my story. I'm, this is not necessarily anyone else's story. But I often, in my mind, if I'm... If I find myself, rationalizing is not the right word either. If I find myself ruminating, well, there's nothing wrong with this. Then I'm often allowing myself to choose that which is not best, <laughs> and I'm doing it knowingly. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Now, there's nothing wrong with it, but then, I, but, but then in my better moments, I would go, yeah, but why would I choose that if I know this is going to be right, even, even better? So... And maybe that's... No, I think... How did I put... When I had that light bulb moment, I had this light bulb. I don't remember when it was, but it was... um, X amount of my life I built around the question of, is this wrong? Exactly. Which is is dualistic thinking. Which isn't a a bad question. Right. I mean, I don't think that's a... It's not wrong to ask, is it wrong? (laughs) But it's not the only question. What Jesus taught, and it's what... Even when, when... he was talking about disputable matters. Dane is off the chart today. <laughs> we're hitting the red zone over and over again. Can't wait to hear this one come back. Um, but even when we're in disputable areas, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's on me. I do that every now and then. Uh, you you used to ask the question, "Is it wrong?" Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But but what, what Paul was teaching, and is there other questions to ask? Is this helpful? Is this wise? Is this beneficial to is the this listener? Is this beneficial if I if I'm just consumed with oh, it's not wrong. God's I have the freedom to do that. But Paul says, when we talk about freedom, there are things, yeah, you're free. That's it's not a that's not a uh, yeah. But it's no 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 that but it may not be beneficial. It may not um, so it may not be technically wrong. We can even think in our world, it's not against the law, but we we even know certain points 
that that's not the only question to ask. Is it legal? We right. could ask at some points. Is that ethical or is that, is that really moral? Compassionate? Is that compassionate? Oh yeah, no. The rules allow you to do that. Right. But is that <laughs> anyway? It's. Oh, I was going to say something. I lost my thought too. This is the lose your thought <laughs> episode of Inglorious Pastors. By the way, while you were gone... You mean just a second ago? <laughs> on your, on your my trip, trip. Oh, gotcha. To a tongue of Viola of the Dolphins. Got injured? Well, yeah. So the quick... and Because I didn't read that article. It, just, it came up on my well, I'm just saying, it's a very intriguing... Okay. So he's in a um, Thursday Sunday night game. Okay. He's in a Sunday game. They're playing Miami. Miami is playing Buffalo for the lead in the division. Sure. He takes a hit. If you watch the video, he takes a hit in that game. He starts to get up, and he kind of shakes his head, and then he kind of does this, and then he takes a couple of steps, and he just starts to collapse. And then he's held up by a couple of teammates. It's just brutal to watch. It's hard to watch. Ugh. So... They take him off the field. Concussion protocol. Right. He comes back in the second half. Finishes out the game, a game that they win that gives them the lead in the... So they're playing the Thursday night game. Um, And they're playing... Four days later. Four days later. And he gets tackled and slammed to the turf at one point. And he's laying on the ground. You see his hands kind of... He kind of freezes up. There's this almost paralytic-seeming kind of... Instant kind of a... Um, and... Well, there's now it's created all kinds of controversy. But it's this... Where I'm, where I'm coming into what yeah. we were talking about was... They go to the protocols. So they send... They send yeah. him to the tent... And he gets medically cleared. The problem is, for so many, is when you saw what I and so many people saw, it's like you kind of know he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. Yeah, he shouldn't be. And there was literally, you saw him collapse. Well, then they said after the game, well, it was a back injury. And he had some kind of back. Well, I mean, you just look and there's nothing, anything you're seeing about him that looks back injury-ish. Um, since the so now there's all kinds of the players association is investigating yeah, yeah. and um, so and it's, it's beyond right or wrong it's is it best is it why well, here is this thing if if the protocol says you go sometimes you just still say no right and intriguingly and I'm not trying to do a, a Bill Belichick plug but one of the things he ended up talking later he was just asked in general but he was just talking about, okay, we have the medical protocol, but then he said, then there's got to be a coach's clearance. And he said, there have been people who have been medically yep. cleared, and they don't pass the coach's clearance. My, Interesting, yeah. But where it, and I know we're finishing on this, but it's this idea even there of technically they did the right things, yep. but when you look and say, just looking at your own eyes, looking at, was yeah. that best H- for... Humanly, was it the right, right. thing? Right. Is that... And it just talks about... Here's that tension. And here's, and here's the other tension. I guarantee you, 
Tua wanted to be back in oh, the game. Oh, absolutely. So in other words, he's, hey, I'm clear and I'm right. going. Right. I'm, you're not keeping me on the bench. Which is this whole other very fascinating dynamic yep. where compassion looks out for people's best interest even if they don't. If they can't. If they can't. Or they don't, they don't want to see it. They don't. The reality is that we deal with that di- interesting tension between freedom. He wants to be out there. And of course he wanted to be out there. Sure. He wanted to be out there the next Thursday. Sure. Um, but where you say, no, because we love you. No, you can't. And, and so that's where I would love to finish. This is where, and back to my thing, of, instead of living in a world of dualism, let's live in a world of love. Is this the loving thing to do? Just I'm, I'm asking that question. Is this the loving thing to do? And I love that, uh, you know, in Andy Stanley's book, Irresistible. I've talked about it many times. But that's one of the things that he argues is the primary question of people who follow the way of Christ. Is this the loving thing to do? I can do it. I mean, I could argue all day about right or wrongness of it, but is it loving? And, and if it doesn't pass that test, then I can say I'm not going to do that even though I have freedom to do that. Yep. Yep. Even though I don't believe it would be sinful to do that, but I'm not going to do it. I don't think it's loving. Yeah. Or in that sense, the most loving thing. And I, and I realize as humans, we can never know what's most loving. But it's an important question to ask. Is this a loving, even in my relationship with my wife, there's certain things. I could bring up all sorts of little annoyances. Right. But is it loving? Is it helpful? Is right. it beneficial? And I realize part of the reason Marlene and I do so well these days in our relationship is we're both asking the question, is this the loving thing to do? Yeah. And if it's not, it just doesn't. It may actually be all right, or I could argue this. Right. We just don't. We just we're, we're living more in that space. And so. what I love is, as I love the fact that God gives us markers that help. Two things: God gives right. us markers as well as the Spirit Hello. to discern in a moment what is them. Because we run into points where what is loving, we also can't always say, "Well, it's just obvious." Because we can run into that thing. Well, the love, a loving thing is obviously to do this. Well, anytime someone says obvious, it's back to no question. And my, so, no question. In other words, while I agree with that paradigm, it still doesn't take away the tension of. Yeah, loving can go to polls too, where we just say, "Oh, love is tough love," or, or "All love is yep. total embrace love." And where this has to keep getting us back to what's right or wrong, what's loving, what's not. We have to trust the lead of the Spirit. We have to, and I also would say, we have to keep staying in dialogue. Why can't we have conversations around, well, what is the loving thing to do here? Right. What is the loving thing w- with how we deal with this issue or that issue? Anyway, so. Yeah, good times. So, do the loving thing instead of the right or wrong thing. Yeah, well, there wasn't like a rhyme. It wasn't really diddy issue. It was no, just sort of like statement rhy- issue. No, thing rhymes with thing. thing. <laughs> I've heard songs where they use the same word twice. Thing and thing. And it was part of the song. It was Kid Rock's song. Yes, we were trying different things and smoking funny things. Yes, that's, <laughs> that is it, true. It rhymes. Yes. It fits, I'm not I'm sure like, we want to use Kid Rock as our primary. Right, I'm, I'm like... I'm just saying, master. there's freedom there, Raj. There's freedom, okay? <laughs> Enjoy us some good kid rock. <laughs> Not our best finish. <laughs> no.